Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I'm Tammy. I'm Michelle. I'm Gracie. And a hug is a gesture intended to convey a sense of care and support, safety, intimacy, and affection. And even though we can't wrap our arms around you, we want you to consider yourself hugged. Oh, here we are again, girls. How's everybody? Great. Oh, just to give you all a heads up, um, uh, tornado watch alert. Oh, so and if if anything gotcha. happens and I just run screaming, that's oh my god, what's going on here? Oh my gosh! Oh. You know, years ago when Jamie lived, I think he was in—I don't know where he was—but we're on the phone and he goes, "Oh, oh, earthquake!" And then he just hung up. <laughs> he was fine. So at least try to give us, you know, some sort of warning. Right. Yeah. 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 And truth be told. You all who are listening, we just had a conversation before we hit record about how we're really doing like <laughs> personal medical problems for women over, I guess, are we all over 50? We're all over 50, I think. Okay, yeah. we're all over 50. Yeah. I'm, I'm 47. Okay. okay. I didn't oh, think you were, oh yeah. my gosh. Are we really that far apart in age? I'll be ah, I guess we are. Yeah. Okay. Well, for women over 45. Yes. How about that? How about that? We'll go with that. Yeah. 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 So I think what we're doing tonight, so if you've listened since we've been together, we've sort of taken turns like guiding the ship, I guess. And Michelle went first and led four episodes and then I led four episodes and now it's Gracie's turn to lead four episodes. And I think based on what you sent us, which it was kind of like what Michelle did too. And me too, it's a little bit like, okay, here's a little bit and then we'll just go with it. But I think you wanted to do sort of a part one and part two or, or not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cause the times before kind of connected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Times before when we've done multiple parts, we have not clarified that in the beginning. And so I have to cut it somewhere and then I have to record over it and say, Hey, by the way, we're doing a part. Wait, two. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we'll just say it's kind of a part one and part two. Right. Yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens. Okay. Flexible. Let's yeah. see what happens. See, you okay. fit in so well from when Michelle and I were doing it. I don't even know when that was, but anyway, mm -hmm. glad you're here. So Gracie, what are we doing? Okay. So I had this conversation and actually I've had this conversation before, but it came up again a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I, a lot of people don't know my story. I used to be a therapist up in Alaska. And then when I moved back down to the Chicago area, I moved back down to Illinois at the time, there was no reciprocity for my license. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. how I got into the speaking and training field because it's like, I'm not going to go back to school to get another degree to do that. I mean, I just, you know, and so I, I couldn't practice therapy. Would you have had to basically start all over or, I mean, it's. Yeah, I would have had, so I had an LPC. I was a licensed professional counselor, now licensed, not LCPC, licensed clinical professional counselor. So I would have had to go back at the time. I would have had to go back and get my master's in social work. I have a master's in counseling, not a master's in social work. Okay. Gotcha. So, and I wasn't, yeah. I mean, there there's a re I mean, when I was originally looking at getting my master's up in Anchorage, it was like, you know, you get a master's in counseling, a master's in social work. And then I saw the burnout rates for social workers. Mm. So I have a master's in counseling. So, so Illinois does not have, like, they didn't recognize. Not LCPC. No, excuse me, not LPC. Now they do. They'll actually grandfather it in. But at this point, I've made such a big change over that, you know, and, and, I, and, and I love what I do. so good. 
at the training oh. and speaking. You, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But what happened was at the time, because I mean, I'm, I'm a therapist. I mean, that's, that's what I do. I can't practice therapy. So I ended up doing therapeutic coaching. Mm. So I kind of skirted around the ethics around that. But one of the things was, is I would talk to people. So I've been having this conversation ongoing, like I said, it, it came up again last week about people will ask, well, what's the difference between therapy and coaching? And I actually had somebody a few years, and this isn't entirely accurate, but I think it was a good description is that like therapy focuses on the, the problems of the past, right? It's developing insight and awareness mm-hmm. on it. Coaching, what your mom did you. Right. Yes. Tell me yeah. about your family of origin type of stuff. What your family right did to you. <laughs> yeah. Coaching is more like, let's just look for, to the future. Look at solutions. And again, it's not that, you know, clear cut. Right. But, but there really, really is kind of the difference. And so when I was doing therapeutic coaching, which, and it is different. I mean, going from therapy to doing coaching, it is a, it is a very different process. But doing the therapeutic coaching really emphasized, which has kind of been the context of everything I've done in training and speaking of, let's acknowledge what the problem is. Let's figure it out. So now we can come up with a solution. So kind of, you know, the best of both worlds. And so one of the things I was thinking about, especially after some of our, our talks is I think in many ways, there still is that separation, right? Are, are we going to let's talk about our problems? Let's figure out what's going on. Let's you know talk about family boards and stuff. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And it really needs to be that, or it's completely ignoring it. And okay, here are the things that you can do. And neither of them stand well on their own. You need to have have both of that. So I thought today we can talk about our different problems we see around and then some some of the solutions. And then the part two can be, we can share some of our favorite resources. I like that. And so one of the biggest things for the problem solution is that a lot of times, and this is where therapy is so incredibly beneficial, is we don't know their problems because they're so normalized, right? And it's, it's our reality, you know? Yeah. And you know, and we've, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, you know, maybe we can just kind of share again, what some of the stuff that we've experienced, but also what we've seen problem solution. Right. You know, some people, so I, I can go ahead and start. Oh, please. Um, yes. We would love for you to start. And so one of the biggest things for me and this awareness, I actually had a discussion with one of the members of my team, Amber, and I was asking her to give me some feedback on stuff. And, and she gave me some really good feedback. And she was like, oh, I, I don't want to offend you. I'm like, no, I'm asking, Please, you know, give it to me. And it really reminded me that one of the big things growing up, so I, I grew up in an alcoholic household and um, my dad was a really happy drunk, not a happy hungover person. And yeah. And so one of the things was, is that, you know, don't, don't rock the boat. Don't make any noise. Don't, you know, do something like that. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing too. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing too, of wait till your father gets home, you know, type of deal of, and so I grew up and I was the oldest of, of two, but I was the oldest, you know, so straight A student, right. You know, all that achievement stuff. Mm -hmm. And I realized therapy and stuff like that, that my normal was a people pleaser hmm. and conflict avoidant. Yeah. And, you know, growing up, you know, through, you know, through college and into my first marriage, I didn't see those as problems. 
because oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right? you, know you say yeah. People That's just happy. the way that you lived, and everybody was good, right? And there's no yelling, there's no fights, there's no, you know, everything's good. And then I met my first husband. Um, he would actually pick fights from, with me in public, like at the grocery store. So yeah, I went for you to, to yeah. have some sort of conflict, like have some sort of conflict. And I think as a measure of control, I'm not really sure. Oh. Um, because he knew that I would do everything in my power to not have that conflict, especially in public, you hmm. know? So, so what does he want? What do I need? What can I do to give him what he wants? So he starts doing this hmm. until I stopped. We actually had a knockdown drag out in the middle of the grocery store one time. Was this because you said you realized it was some of these things were problems through like counseling and therapy. Was that when you were still married? Yeah. That's one of the reasons I actually went forward with, with thinking about, you know, we need to get a divorce because I was finally engaging in conflict, which was a, which was a good thing, but I realized this is not what I wanted. And again, it was still kind of conflict avoidant. It's not that I didn't want unhealthy conflict. I didn't want any conflict at all. Mm. You know, and so I had to work through that, through the divorce, you know, through therapy. And I've been in therapy for years, you know, with stuff like that. But, but yeah, I mean, that was just, that's what you did. That's what, in my mind, that's what you, a healthy relationship was completely conflict-free and you do whatever you can to make everybody else happy. And if everybody else is happy, then you're good. And don't you think too, that's also like generational being raised by moms who were, yeah, you know, moms in the. 60s and they were still in that right. you know be a good girl um, right because it was also gender-based right yeah. yeah be a good girl oh. it's our role mm -hmm. to make people happy right right it, it's don't you think it's, it's also kind of biological in that like growing up in an environment where you know there was a lot of, of tension kind of that fight or flight response when conflict happened you know, your body just kind of takes over. You don't want that. You're trying to avoid that. It's really uncomfortable. Right. It will, and it's, it's a survival thing. Yeah. yeah. Scary. It was yeah. interesting that you're talking about this. Cause I just got back last night from Denver and I was doing, um, a, uh, breakout session with a, a friend and colleague who's been on the show before Donna Clark love. I'll put a link, um, in the show notes for our session. And our topic was um, invisible tigers, you know, the thoughts and things that you don't always know that are there. And so we did a poll um, on the app that they had. So this was school nutrition. Okay. So these are lunch ladies, lunch men, district directors, dietitians, things like that. So we did a poll. And the question was, when you are confronted with a challenge, do you fight, flight, or freeze? And I can't come up with the exact figure, but like, 80% of them went into fight mode. And it was really interesting to me on a couple of, of fronts because on the, on the surface of it, you know, I've been in hundreds of kitchens over the past 10 years. Cause I've, I've worked in sales in that industry and gone in, I don't anymore, but I would go in and train. And these people are passionate about their kitchens and helping their kids. And I have seen them. I mean, they're the, one of the most loving groups I've ever spoken to. But I was kind of surprised, you know, on the one hand, I was thinking, 
Well, sometimes these are can be pretty aggressive. They've been there for a long time. But on the other hand, I think that it comes out of a lot of passion. So in that particular industry, a lot of them are not conflict avoiders. They're like, right. get out of my kitchen, you know, get away from my piece of equipment. Um, so I don't know, there's a gender, but then also, I don't know, you know, there's just so many things that go into that whole, what you do in conflict. So right. do you think that the way the question was structured, was it more structured to where you were asking them about how they were at work or at home? Cause I'm just curious. Like, I wonder if there was like a difference that right? that's probably true because it's less risky. I think maybe right. To go into fight mode when you're with people that you don't live with maybe as opposed to a spouse or a friend. I don't think, um, I don't think that we phrased it, but we were at a work conference. So I'm thinking they were saying work-related behavior. Well, and I also think it all depends on the culture. So, you know, I've worked in some places where telling your coworker to F off is perfectly appropriate. And I've worked some other places that if you didn't address your supervisor as Mr. So-and-so, it was considered disrespectful and insubordination. So I think part of it also has to do with whether it's work culture or family culture. Yeah. And we learn the rules and we don't even know we know what the rules are, but we learn the rules. And that has to do with how we handle conflict or perceived conflict. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it's, if it's working for you and the people around you, then it's not a problem necessarily. But if it's, if you're, if you're in that, this culture where they're mostly fight and you're very much freeze or flee, then it might be a problem because you're not holding your own. Right. So yeah, that part where you said at the beginning about problems that we may not realize they are problems, you know, having right. a little bit of self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, you know, prompted by the discussion, but some other things was, yeah, the people pleasing and, and conflict avoidance. And I mean, even today I have to sometimes assess, okay, why did I make that decision? Was it because the healthy thing is you know, I'm not going to interact with you when we're in this place emotionally because it's not going to be productive. So we need to address it later. Or am I just saying, nope, not dealing with it. Nope, nope, not dealing with it. The behavior is the same, but in one situation, it's healthy. In one situation, it's not. And I have to continue to assess that. So is that so one of the things when you talked about solutions is that being in a state of assessment and reflection? Yes. And actually, and actually looking at it and considering it which is a skill that I had to learn. I, well, I think this is a skill we all have to learn. I don't think we're all, most of us are not naturally introspective that way, I don't think. But no, yeah. I think you're right. So you're saying yeah. every single time, just like you said, we had to form connections every single day. You remember that? Episode? Yeah. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've kind of failed at that a little bit. We have not. <laughs> done a good job we we were going to do some stuff we need to get back on that right I mean, yes like encouraging one another like gracie did you take a walk today and michelle yeah. did you say you were sorry today and yeah. yes yeah we yeah. have yeah yeah gotta get on that yeah we yeah, accountability accountability here yeah put that out there yeah yeah you're absolutely right and and when we, you know, teach a lot of the like mental health and checking in on people, I always tell people to set a reminder. It's not like a sign of that. You don't really care if you have to set a reminder. So that's what we need to do too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we do. Set a reminder. Um, 
Okay. Um, nag Gracie, annoy Michelle, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Love it. Nag. Love it. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's not, I mean, even after we were talking that we're, you know, we're in our late forties and and fifties, even after doing this work for a long time, there are some things they're just not habit for me. I don't, there is a lot that I assess and I, I just do it naturally and da, 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 da. but especially with the conflict thing, I need to be looking at that a little bit more often. I mean, that's, and that's part of the solution like you said, you know, just but what, what else do you do? And well, that conflict I think, avoidance. Um, well, the big thing also with the conflict avoidance for me is not recognizing, well, the reason that there's conflict is probably because my needs aren't being met. And so, and again, as a people pleaser, a lot of times that's the last thing I look at. I look at what everybody else needs and, um, you know, just, you know, checking in with myself, starting the day off, whatever. Again, that's not natural for me. And yeah. that's something I kind of would like to be, you know, I'm going to roll over here and grab a book. Talking, but um it's it's a research book but it's not like i've talked about it before a million times but you need to read this toward a new psychology mm-hmm. of women it's 1976 but there's so much in there about like there's a chapter called conflict the old way and conflict the new way i've used it so much that it's like completely apart. falling apart nice. but um i just love it so much because it's that would be like a a resource, not one of mine that I was going to mention when we come back together next time, but that's a great one for conflict. Nice. And especially for women, you know, if you're a woman right. listening yeah. or watching. And what you're talking about, like it reminds me, and I've shared this before on here, I've shared it with Tammy before about how like God just really gave me a light bulb moment that is when I started therapy is I was actually teaching. I was teaching physical science and we were talking about measuring and the, st- the statement I heard myself say was that, and because we were talking about measuring your speed, if you were walking on a train in relation to the train, the train speed, we're talking about all of that. And I made the statement that if your frame of, res- of reference that you're measuring against is off, if you pick the wrong one and it's faulty, all your measurements after that are going to be off. And it just clicked with me that like everything I was basing decisions personal decisions and all and so forth on was based on this really unhealthy yeah kind of pattern that I had been living in and that in order to make healthier decisions I had to change the way I looked at that and so kind of like what you're talking about measuring everything looking at it as a measurement like is my frame of reference what I'm measuring this against oh I like that a lot Cause you're right, because you can look at it and say, yep, this aligns perfectly. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing... But if your initial measurement is off, yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. So like, as an example, are you saying that? Cause I think that you need to type that out for me and send it so I can put that in the show notes. Cause that's, that's a quote worthy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying like, if your frame of reference is um, hearing your mother's voice that be, get along and keep the peace, and so you're success, you're successful because that's what you're doing, because that was your frame of reference. So you need to oh, find absolutely. a new And for me, it was um, one of the biggest ones and one of the most life-changing things for me has been realizing that you don't have to live in the status quo of, of where you are at the moment, because in my world for a long time, there wasn't change. It was, how do I keep this going exactly the way it is? 
without being harmed, staying very level. And just the whole concept that I get to write my life, that this is a new day and I can pick how this day is going to go and I can design that day. And um, all of that, that was world changing. And I'm not sure if that makes sense, but I'll give an example of when I first started realizing this. I was uh, moving offices at work, still teaching, I was moving offices and someone came in and I had not changed the office from where the previous person had had everything. I did not go in and arrange it the way I wanted, the way I would have liked it. I just didn't because in my world, you just moved right in and fit right along and you didn't change things. You wow. just kind of made yourself part of that. And then she came in and she's like, oh, well, I'm going to change this and move this here. And I thought to myself, well, why didn't I do that? It's because I had to learn, oh, I get to create my space. I don't have to just come into a space and make it, you know, work the way it is. I can make change. Right. And it's something as simple and obvious. It's not simple and obvious. It no. wasn't to me at the time. No. It was eye-opening. It was like, oh, you know, it was kind of that that eye-opening process of I'm not changing things and therefore nothing is changing. Thing like I have to change some things for right. change. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that your um is that your what are we talking about? The the problem that you were saying was kind of I, I really, yes, because I think that probably has been the most eye-opening thing like like Gracie was saying not living in a pattern of the past and like oh I'm an adult like I can create my own patterns you're a grown woman I ex absolutely am you can do whatever you want you can use mm -hmm. Anjali perfume perfume and bring <laughs> home the bacon and fry it up in a pan and I don't know about the man thing but anyway yes absolutely absolutely that is really good that is really good. Well, and can I get oh. another twist to it? Ooh, a twist. A twist. Because a lot of it's, you know, learn patterns, behavior, and stuff like that. And again, it's normal. It's what's habituated, da, da, da. But the other thing that we've talked about is mental health stuff, like depression. Oh. I honestly did not know until I was, like, in college that everybody else didn't cry themselves to sleep on a regular basis. You thought I that was normal. I did completely. I Who had no told idea. You, you know, <laughs> that's a really good question. I, I just. You don't I mean, remember there's, there's like a, a, well, a moment. I think, I think there's a misconception that kids don't have depression and anxiety. And if it, especially if it's a brain thing. Yeah. You know? And so I just think from, you know, being really little that especially if I was tired, especially if things weren't going my way, I would just cry. And I'd been taught not to make a big deal about it. So I would just quietly cry in bed. And because I knew nobody saw me. Well, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. And so I, I, it just never, so I'm thinking, you know, if somebody has depression, if somebody has anxiety, if somebody has PTSD, if somebody has, right, all this stuff, how do you, because I know I put the face, the mask on, so I just assumed, you know, mm -hmm. how do you know that that's not what everybody else struggles with? I mean, that's, that's such an incredible point. Cause it's like, shows the power of story. 
because when people didn't yes. talk about this, then people didn't know. And I saw, um, I did a, a training not long ago and the woman said that when she did her social work graduate degree in this training, it was a um, online training that she did at Columbia and it was like in the, the 70s, so a long time um, ago, but she said that there were only two words at the time that she was taught about sexual abuse, that sexual abuse within families was very rare and this was at Columbia, that it was very rare. And then it happened mostly in Appalachia. And she said wow. only two sentences that were said. And again, this was back in the 70s. Right. Why right. did they believe that? Because no one was talking. Nobody was talking about it, right. And so like yeah. without people's stories, then you don't mm -hmm. know. Right, right. You're right. You know, yeah. a couple of things about that too with kids. Michelle, um, because we're both in the Nashville area, um, Channel two is doing every day this week about kids' mental health in the Nashville area. So that would be something interesting to watch. Um, and yeah, the second I thing, what? So I didn't realize that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Every day they do it like a topic on Thursdays. I'm sorry. Not, not, not every day, every newscast tomorrow. So I'll okay. probably record it, you know, and see what they have to say. And the second interesting thing we were talking about, just, this isn't, I think it's relevant. They, in the Nashville area, there was a coach who sexually abused, I think at least seven kids and they found his phone with videos and the youngest was nine, I think. And the oldest was 15. Or oh, seven. I read about that. Yeah. Yeah. And they were interviewing um, a counselor. And a lot of times I hate to see it, but say it, but when I see interviews about stuff like this, they just don't seem to have anything super interesting to say. It just is. But this woman, I thought it was so good. She said, you know, we need to take these children and, and get them through this in such a way that they see this as one segment of their life and not their life. And we need to allow them to compartmentalize that in a way that it is an event, but it is not who they become. And she went on and talked a little bit more, but I thought it was so good. And, you know, thinking about all the things you know, us and our listeners and stuff have been through being able to, it's so now with kids, they're really starting to pay attention, you know, to helping them do that while they're younger mm -hmm. and, and be able to move past that and live. And she said, and live a full life, mm -hmm. live a full, happy life that does not rest on that event. Yeah. It was really good. Really, really good. Yeah. So I think asking those questions feeling free to tell stories, having that become more normal, you know, that's a huge part of it, becoming aware of it just at all, you know? And so it's, it's a change in perspective. It's a change in insight. It's a change in focus, you know? And, yeah. and I love, I love the, the fact that you use the term stories, Michelle, because yeah, that's how we, that's how we learn as human beings. I mean, you can throw all the data you want at me, I'm going to remember the stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, when you sent that question, then I was thinking, I was thinking, well, okay, problems that we don't know necessarily that are problems. Cause lately with just going back into counseling after being out of it for a while, I feel like I'm pretty acutely aware of the things that are affecting my life. But I realized that I had a big lesson yesterday at this event so you all know that I struggle with like confidence and how I'm always beating myself up as a speaker and I'm not good enough. And I don't like feedback. 
I hate to say I'm getting better. So when you talked about Amber giving you feedback, I thought, oh my gosh, that must've been an awful day. (laughs) And you're just like, no, I asked for it. But I know that holds me back because I know I'm not perfect, but just hearing it. So we, we go to this, this breakout session. It's a huge conference. There's like 5,000 attendees and the breakout sessions are, we had 250, maybe 300 at this breakout session, but I've spoken for child nutrition for 10 years. Donna has never spoken for child nutrition. And so I told her, I said, I want this to be mainly about you. You know, I really want, because it was her topic, her title. And then I just meshed my information. I said, I want this to be about you. I've done this before. They're going to love you. I want you to just really be able to shine. And when we got there and she was shining And I don't know, and I've also been spending a lot of time in prayer, just a lot of time in prayer. And she was shining and I loved it. And it was, it was such a, like, and I thought, so, but partnered with that is I realized that the thing, even though it's, it's self-worth and, you know, criticism and all that, and I know where it came from. But in a way, it was like negativity. I think that I've been battling negativity and didn't even know it. And it just, and people will be like, no, you're so positive. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but you're not in my head, first of all. Right. And second of all, Don and I did it. She wrote a, a skit for us. We pretended like we turned our microphones off and then I played the negative part. And I was like, oh my gosh, we had to walk so far and the food is so expensive And I went to this session, it was so boring and she was being the positive person, but I thought that's not totally out of character for me. I could have said all of those things, you know? And so it was just, I love that you asked that question because it made me do a little bit of self-assessment and realize that I think I've been battling some negativity. Didn't know it. It just felt like conversations, things that you say, you know? this is bad and this is bad and oh my gosh. And so it was a great revelation for me. And so I think when we talked about solutions, I think, you know, awareness is definitely the the first thing. And then we had some tools in there about reframing. And so Mm, I took some of those things. We said, you know, well, I got my 10,000 steps in and the show floor is full of food. You know, if I don't want to spend money on food, by the way, we wrote those things. I don't know that I would have said those things, but it's it's just catching your brain and reframing and forming those new connections so that you begin to change the way that you speak. Mm -hmm. Both internally and externally. Yes. Because those feed each other. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I, and I've known that I battled the internal negative, but it was the external that was such a surprise. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, did that just come out of my mouth? Let's try yeah. again. Yeah. Cool. So, so what do we have then? Um, conflict avoidance. Mm-hmm. What are the ones we people pleasing and depression for people me? People pleasing, depression. Mm-hmm. Michelle, I'm not even sure what you call that. That I um, stuck in patterns, habits, patterns. Mm-hmm. Yes. And negativity. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't we great? We are great. I think part of well, change in yes, the, change yes, in the we world. Right. We're changing the world. We are changing the world. That's but right. I think part of it is that, like you both were saying, we were taught that this is the way you navigate the world. And it got us the results that we were looking for. 
which was survival or whatever. And so that became our, our normal, how, you know, and I think you can, you can even relate that to me getting these negative conversations because that is kind of normal. And the payoff is you kind of bond with people over negativity. And so, you know, that, and I even talk about, that's part of my dissertation, but it's, that's just, I know. And so it's just really evidence that it's really easy to just fall into it mm-hmm. and just not yeah. realize it. Yeah. Well, yeah. this, so, yeah. this was a good start. Right. <laughs> Free therapy for anyone who's listening. That's right. Yeah. Or watching. Exactly. So next time we're going to just like have a few resources that have helped us through some of these, right. Or even, I even put down some things just as a little preview. I put even some, some books, you know, that I like to read. I mean, just, just things to, to, to keep you in that, that positive mindset and that getting past some of these things we've talked about. Yes. Okay. Well, do y'all have anything else for, for today? I'll take it now. I I spoke a lot. makes me happy. Did speak a lot. How about you, Michelle? You good? I am good. Nothing else. Okay. Well, then do all the things that we ask. You know, I hope that you all listened to Shelly Hauser last week because she was amazing. And so go do that if you have not. And subscribe, download. You know, I had I had multiple people come up to me at this conference and say, I, I listen and read your stuff every single week. Please keep sending it. And I said, please comment please say hello. Please let us know. So it lets me know there's a lot of people out there listening. We would love to hear from you. If it's Facebook, show notes, whatever we would love, YouTube, you know, anything, just let us know what you're thinking, things that you would like to hear us talk about. If you're a woman and you're not part of our Facebook group, be sure to click on that and join that group. All of our bios and contact information are in the show notes. And then we all know what happens now. Here we go. And until next time, consider yourself hugged. That wasn't horrible. No, it wasn't horrible. That's our bar. That's our frame of reference, right, Michelle? That's our train measurement is it wasn't horrible.